Well, tonight is one of my favorite nights of the entire year. It is a night where the pastors sit down and the students stand up and preach. And so this is a big deal for us around here. In case you're not, in case you're kind of newer and you're still getting to know 4640 and our culture and our vision, um, when you look around, it looks a lot like a rec center. There's cool, crazy stuff to do, right? And lots of uh, students and good music and cool lighting and all of that. But that's not why we're here. We're not actually here to entertain you. We're, our goal as pastors here at 4640 is to pass the baton to you so that if we're, so that the race of faith continues to be run by the next generation. That's why we come, that's why blue team comes, the adults come and serve. Our goal isn't just let's have a fun night in a drug alcohol free environment. The goal is how can what we say in our sermons or how can what we do on the platform in terms of leading worship, how can that provoke faith in you so that five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, you are still loving Jesus, serving Jesus, clear on who he is, wanting to read, study, and know the Bible, wanting to be a part of a faith community or a church family. That's the goal. That's what we're after. And so when it's student speaker night, we get really, really excited because we believe what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, which says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but instead, you set the example. And so tonight, four students are going to get up. Uh, your fellow peers going to high school in the Grand Valley get up and talk about how God has impacted their life, how their life circumstances, how God showed himself faithful, and how they believe that, that the truth is that Jesus is the Savior of the world. This isn't pastors talking. This is 15-year-old students talking. And I hope that as they talk, that it will kind of spark something in you. That you'll listen to that and you'll go, wow, they, they have a passion that I used to have, but it's faded away and I want to fix that. Or maybe as they say something, you'll go, wow, they could, they could walk in faith through that difficult situation, then I can walk in faith through my difficult situation. I hope they'll inspire you. I know they'll inspire you. And I hope that you'll take to heart what they're saying, what they're talking about, and it'll impact you in a deep way. So tonight's first student speaker is uh, Jason Miller. One of my favorite memories of Jason Miller was Halloween. When he was in elementary school, he chose to dress up as our lead pastor, uh, Pastor Hooper, wear a bald cap and a suit as like a third or fourth grader. It's pretty epic. So I'm excited to hear what Jason has to say to you tonight. My friends, my fellow Generation E's, they call us the lost generation. I was in desperation in 2019. It was 10.20 in the morning. I heard this, and God revealed what the millennials or any prior generation might call us. I've kind of been pondering and thinking about what this might mean and what effect it has on our generation. But most importantly, why would they call us that? Why would they call us that? I believe it's because they only see the world breaking us or the world breaking around us, not the shepherd carrying us or us getting closer. Now, I never pulled much more from the parable I'm about to tell you um, after about the hundredth time of hearing it. But I can remember very vividly the Lord revealing things to me through this parable, and I started to write it down right away. It was this parable that Jesus said in Luke 15, four through six. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? 
Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I feel like we misinterpret this, or at least I used to. I used to think that because it says he left the 99, that it literally meant he left those of us who stayed close. Now, my freshman and beginning of this sophomore year, I had a time where I felt like he might have left me. I felt very alone, and I had a feeling that I knew everybody, but was friends with no one. Now, I felt like I was the kid you might smile out in the hallway or give a friendly nod as you pass by in the hall, but never really felt like I had a friend, like there was no one that was there for me. I walked to lunch alone each day, but I took this opportunity to really tuck into the Lord. I started to set my quiet times in the morning while I was maybe brushing my teeth and doing my hair. I started to feel at peace and feel that I was no longer alone. The Lord told me that I am never alone because he never has and he never will leave me or you. Now, I want you to hear and really take in that we're not all lost and that doesn't mean that the Lord left us because he is the perfect father. He just wants us to be closer. He made us to be so close to him. In fact, in biblical times, if one particular sheep continued to run off, he would either allow that sheep to be injured or break its leg. That way, the shepherd would have to carry the sheep. After the healing process, that sheep would become one of the closest to the shepherd. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the Lord's literally gonna break your leg. <laughs> he might allow us to go through a tough time occasionally or allow us to feel far from him, so we have to run back and we have to be carried by the good shepherd. We can feel lost in many things. For example, we could feel lost in our schoolwork. Now, I'm not sure about you guys, but I feel as if the schoolwork and the standards we are put under are sometimes so overwhelming. However, the Lord is right there with us. He doesn't want us to fail. We could also feel lost in our social life, as if we might not be able to make any friends. But God is the provider and will provide with the right people in our lives. Maybe we feel lost in our faith. Maybe we just hit a point where we don't know how to advance or we feel a disconnect from God. Now this could look different for everybody in here. It might feel like a disconnect because of sin or because he think, you think he's mad at us. Let me tell you, he's not. No matter what it is, just remember, no matter how far you stray or how long you stay, the Lord will always find you and is always with you because he is the perfect father shepherd, and we are his sheep. Now, you might be asking yourself, how can I grow close to the Lord? I believe there are many things we can do to live out being closer to God in order to not feel lost, in order to break the label of loss that is in place on our generation, and to fulfill what the Lord is doing in our lives. Like I said, we can do one of many things. We could make a set time to read our Bible regularly. We could spend more time one-on-one -on -one with the Lord, like in your car ride to school or when you're brushing your teeth. You could even just actually listen to the words of a worship song. Most of those are straight out of scripture. You should have an open conversation with the Lord, just like your text conversation with your best friend. It's open all day, right? We should have an open conversation with the Lord all day, simply because he is the one who made us. He is our best friend. He is the perfect father. The Lord is our good shepherd.
Great job, Jason. Our next student speaker is Maddie Ganser, and we're really excited to welcome her to, uh, to the pulpit. Now, Maddie goes to Fruita High School, and one of my favorite memories of Maddie was when she was um, at kids camp with us, and um, she was so scared to try one of the high ropes elements. I don't know how many of you have been to kids camp, but we had some high stuff. And so Maddie, Maddie at that time struck me as shy, but I think when you hear her sermon tonight, you're going to have a completely different opinion of her because you're going to see the power of God working through her. Check this out. Have you ever been forced into something that you didn't want to do? Like getting dragged to a party when you'd much rather stay home or shopping with your parent while they talk to an old college friend and you and their kids stare awkwardly at each other. Well, <laughs> friends, that's exactly how it was for me the first time I went to 4640. I did not want to go. Just for reference, this was me in middle school. <laughs> so this poster, it took me three days. So most of you in middle school probably did sports or something similar. I drew a giant My Little Pony unicorn and hung it in my room for, get, get this, the better part of two years. So, this is what I did in my spare time. I didn't really care for the people at my school because I didn't really give them a chance and ate lunch with the teachers every day of eighth grade. So, the reasons I didn't want to go to 4640 were dumb looking back on it. First, there were going to be people my age. Second, it took time out of my day. But the third problem was probably the most significant in my sixth grade brain. I didn't have that many friends, especially not any that would come to church with me. Nonetheless, about halfway into my sixth grade year, I went. My mom walked me in, signed some papers, and left me with a few people on blue tame. So yeah, my mom was right. I absolutely loved it. Pretty soon, I convinced one of the only friends I had at the time to go with me. She started to love it too. Every Wednesday night, we would come, hang out, kind of worship, kind of listen to service, and leave. If she came, I came. If she didn't feel like coming, neither did I. Sure, it was fun, but even though I was in God's house, he was completely missing from these nights. We continued like this until right around conference of my eighth grade year. We were both signed up, paid, and ready for conference. But I thought this was gonna be the best one yet. But sometimes God does things that we don't understand in the moment. The night before conference started, my friend canceled on me. I don't quite remember why she decided not to come, but going to conference alone was awkward and difficult. Those three hours of free time seemed like an eternity, and watching everyone else have a good time while I internally sulked was not fun. I came home each day in tears, and after that conference, I decided I wasn't gonna put myself through that again. I completely stopped coming to 4640 in the fall of eighth grade and didn't come back for another year, only because of the rejection I felt from my friend. It transferred to the church rejecting me, and so I left. That decision was one of the dumbest I had made, and that year was worse. I had such horrible anxiety about everything and didn't trust God with any of it. This caused my immune system to completely crash. I had managed to get sick every other week of my eighth grade year, so 18 colds when I should have had maybe two. Then came ninth grade, and I was reminded that I could come to 4640 on Tuesdays now. Of course, I still didn't want to go, but after the promise of taking a different friend with me, I finally gave in. The reason it took so much convincing is because three general things were running through my head. One, what would make this time any different? I felt alone now, or I felt alone before, why not now? Two, it's probably going to be a lot more boring, plus a waste of my time. And three, I hadn't gone in a while. My thought process was somewhere along the lines of wearing a retainer. Stay with me here, but who's had braces? 
yeah? How many of you have had a retainer or have one now? You know that feeling of impending doom when you've put off wearing it for a few days and you know it's gonna hurt when you put it back in, but the longer you wait, the more it will hurt? I thought coming back to church was going to be like that. Painful and a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> there was nothing stopping the people here from treating me differently after not coming. In fact, I wouldn't have even blamed them if they had. I rejected them, so they should reject me too, right? All of these were lies from the enemy, trying to get me to stay defeated and not return to Jesus. And of course, I was completely wrong. That night, I was welcomed with some of the biggest hugs and best words of encouragement I had ever received. This whole experience reminded me of one of the parables or stories Jesus preached when he was here on earth. It's called the prodigal son. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. Luke 15, 12. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Imagine telling your parents that. Hey dad, you're getting old. I want your money now, please. And then you leave him to die. Can you see how that would cause a rift in the relationship? If someone did that to me, I probably wouldn't be very happy about it. After this, the son runs away, rejects his father, and wastes all of the money. I can kind of relate to him here. He ran from something wonderful and didn't know it until he left. Do you guys know how many other churches have a foam pit, cafe, zipline, and free food? Let me tell you, it's not very many. We are so blessed that the Lord gave this to us. Anyways, the son came back to his father's house begging to be a servant. Luke 15, 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Is this how you would react if someone took your money, left you to die, then came running back? He didn't even say, I told you so. Then the father throws a big feast, welcomes the son back home, and forgives him for everything. Of course, the son was mad, and the father explained to him, Luke 15, 32, we had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and came back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. The way I see it, God is meant to represent the father and us, the son, who took off with the money. He wasn't mad when the son returned home. Instead, he was overjoyed. Just like in the story, God wants to give us things. In this case, a feast. But with us, it might be the promise of peace, joy, or with me, friends. I had to set my first friend free in order to get an amazing group of friends now. Whatever you have to set free in your life can't compare to the amazing things God has planned. My story and the prodigal son's story prove that. Thank you. Good stuff, Maddie. That was so good. All right, our next speaker is Jacob Lucero. He's been around for a long, long time. You've probably seen him uh, dancing up a storm for Jesus down front. This kid has so much passion for God. He has props for this sermon, so you know it's going to be really, really good. Everybody give it up for Jacob. It's on. All right. I love the holiday season. Seriously, October through December are just the best time of the year, in my opinion. Each month is just holiday after holiday. Free candy on Halloween, food and family on Thanksgiving, and most of all, Christmas. I love Christmas. Every year I get too excited. I usually don't even sleep the night before. It's just that exciting for me. Now, not every Christmas has been amazing. There was one that really changed my life. One Christmas morning, after presents were said and done, my mom received a call that would shake us all really badly. My brother, who at the time lived in Denver, had been stabbed the night before and was currently in the hospital, severely injured. 
My entire family was shaken. Christmas dinner was canceled, and my parents and one of my brothers, who had come home to spend the holidays with us, left to go see him in Denver, while I stayed home with my grandpa because I was too scared. When life takes a sudden turn from good to terrible, it's easy to forget where God is in all of this. And that left me to wonder, where is God in all of this chaos? In situations like the one I was in, it can be hard to see past the problem. It can be hard to see where God is in all that chaos. They call personal struggles darkness for a reason. You can't see past it. So how are we supposed to see past the darkness? How do we look past it and see where God is in all of this? Obviously, the first place to turn for the answer would be God's word. And when I looked in God's word, I came to Isaiah 51, 12 through 13. I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like grass and disappear? Yet you have forgotten the Lord, your creator, the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. Will you remain in constant dread of a human oppressors? Will you continue to fear the anger of your enemies? Where is their fear and anger now? It is gone. How big can our problems and fears that are temporary really be in the eyes of a God who is unending today, tomorrow, and forever on? To put in perspective how big our God is, I'm going to draw four circles. This is how big our God is. He's massive. And in comparison, this is how big the struggles in life that we'll face. It's just a simple dot comparatively. But sometimes we can't see past that and we put God in this box and say he can only do this much in our lives. And that's our doubt. And with our doubt, we can't, right? We don't believe that God can do it. And sometimes we don't even get to see this comparison and we blow up this problem that's so small and it becomes this huge thing that we call fear. But what's important about all three of these other circles is that they're all smaller than God. God, can, God is bigger than the things you go through. He's bigger than your doubt and he's bigger than your fear of what the world will throw at you. When things turn for the worse, whatever it is, God is bigger than it. Maybe your parents are getting divorced. Maybe you just lost a family member. You could have just lost your best friend. Whatever it is, God is bigger than it. Ephesians 6.10 says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. When trials and adversity, hurt and heartbreak come your way, stand firm, tuck into God and his mighty power. Then all the fear of what's going to happen will fade away. All the doubt that God even cares is crushed and thrown out the window and you will walk away stronger. When my family left for Denver to go see my brother in the hospital, I chose to stay home. Scared and now alone, I retreated to my room and I did the only thing I knew to do. I prayed. I sat on the floor of my room, pouring my heart out to God. In a complete moment of vulnerability, I chose God over my fear. The Bible says in James 4, 8, come close to God and, he will, and God will come close to you. When we choose to change what we're looking at and seek our God in hardships, he comes near us. And when God comes near, you experience joy and peace. So whatever causes fear or hurt in your life, when you choose to focus on God in those moments, all of those fears and hurts melt away. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Good stuff, Jacob. It's so true. The Bible is always truth. And a lot of times when we're facing that doubt and we're facing that fear, we think, there's no way I can draw close to God when I have this problem in my life. But the truth is, if we press in during those times that feel dark, that's when we're most likely to have the big breakthrough. Any 
anyone can seek God when things are easy and good, but when we put our faith in action when things are hard, oh, it's so much more powerful uh, in our lives. Okay, our next student speaker is Haley Langner, and I'm so excited to hear what she has to say. So give it up for Haley. Is my mic on? Okay, cool. <laughs> Alrighty. When I was about halfway through my seventh grade year, my parents got divorced. It was really hard for me to see that my family, that I thought was so perfect and special, could be torn apart so quickly like that. All the countless custody battles, heartbreak, moving, and overall sadness nearly took over. Both of my parents are and were very jealous of their time with my sister and I. It was really exhausting that on top of all that mental trauma we went through, it's difficult when both your parents want to use every second of the time they have with you. And now almost four years later, it's still hard sometimes. I used to tell everyone, I wish I could just fast forward a couple years until I move out and I won't have to be on this stupid schedule anymore. I didn't even want to live my life through the years I'm in right now. I know a lot of you in here have gone through a similar situation, and I'm so sorry for that. But I'll tell you one thing. I 100% guarantee that I would not have gotten through it without my best friend, Jesus. It's really easy to dwell on the past. It already happened, you already know the outcome, and you're human, so you definitely made some mistakes in there that you feel guilty about. And you know, you can, work, you can learn from the past, and it doesn't help you, though, if you're trying to move forward. Isaiah 43 says to forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past, for God is making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is taking your past troubles and turning your future into something bright and brilliant. Why would you worry about the future when God has it totally under control? Faith means that you are in control of your life. You trust in God to worry about it for you. He calls the shots, and if you trust in him, the outcome is gonna be extraordinary. Galatians 2.20 says it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus loves you, so why wouldn't he want the best for you? Matthew 6.34 says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. If you trust in God to set the stage for your life, you don't need to worry about what's gonna come of it. Now dwelling, being anxious, and worrying are not gonna get you a life of positivity. Jesus brings great joy. Think about when you have a homework assignment or a really big test that's gonna determine the outcome of your grade. That worries you and it makes you feel anxious, right? Well, what about the feeling you get when you've studied really hard to the best of your ability and you're completely prepared to rock that test? That feels really great and it lifts a weight off your shoulders. That's exactly how it feels when Jesus is in control. I can't be 100% sure of the outcome, but I know Jesus is prepared and ready to brighten my future because I've seen him do it before. This peace of mind really helps me to focus on what God has planned for me right now. Don't dwell on the past and don't worry about your future. Simply trust in God and live your life the way God wants you to live it here and now. Now that that's settled, here are some steps that can help you find that happiness that God so desperately wants for us. Number one is just use some spiritual warfare. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So he's obviously not gonna want you to be positive. Whenever a thought pops into your mind that makes you worry or causes you to think about the past or the future too much, simply cast it out. Say to that demon of worry, with the power of Jesus, my Lord and Savior, I bind this spirit of worry about my future and I cast it out. Do this over and over until you believe it yourself. Some things take a while to learn, but if you're adamant about getting rid of your worry and trusting in Jesus, nothing is impossible. 
Number two is cast your cares on Christ. Jesus is totally and completely there for you. He's willing to stand by your side and fight for you. All you have to do is let him. Rather than focusing on the daily drama of the world telling you what to do next, trust in Jesus to make those decisions for you. No one knows the answer better than him for he already knows the outcome. Number three is just to focus on the positive. This life is a rough ride, and when you're constantly surrounded in your school by people that don't see the best of it, it can be really easy to stray from that positive mindset. It's important that you always see the good in things. God blesses us beyond all measure, and we're so totally grateful for that. So show God that his mercies are appreciated, and keep that positive mindset, and you never know know whose mood you might change in doing so. The fourth and last is to never limit yourself. God is on your side, and what a better warrior. Jesus can accomplish all things. He isn't limited at all. Luke 137 says nothing will be impossible with God. The Lord is your offense, your defense, and your friend. Anything that will ever stand in your way can and will be defeated by God. Keep Jesus close to your side and live the life he wishes upon each one of you every single day. Can I pray for you? Jesus, I pray that none of the students in here will ever worry about their past or future ever again, and that they will know that it's new, our king, that they should trust in alone. They will never lose sight of your glory and their want for your and your want for their life, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. <laughs> oh, so good. That's some good preaching tonight, you guys. Uh, The point of all of this is that you would really take to heart the words of your fellow students, that you would really dig into those truths and recognize what they're saying, what they came up and said in front of 100 people tonight is what they believe to the core of their being. And maybe as you listen to them and as you listen to their words and, and you heard their stories and the hardships that each one of them has been through, maybe you thought to yourself, you know what? I need to get more real about my relationship with God. I need to take it a little bit more seriously. I need to press in just a little bit harder during the struggles of my life. Maybe you've heard that and you've heard students that truly believe it to their core. They're not perfect, but they do. And you've thought, you know, I kind of need to step up my game. And so I just like to just create a little privacy for a spiritual moment right here. If everyone would just close their eyes. And if you... If you're here tonight and you heard your fellow students say something and you're like, yeah, I gotta gotta step up my game in terms of taking my relationship with God just a little bit more seriously, would you just slip up your hand? No one's looking around. You're just saying, "I I need to be more real about my faith in God. It can't just be a Tuesday thing. Yeah, lots of hands saying, I wanna do that. And so for those of you that are raising your hands, thanks for for being real, for being honest. We want to pray with you, and we want to ask God to help you to stay faithful to that. God, in the name of Jesus, we ask that for each one of us that, especially those that raise their hand, but for each one of us that needs to, that we would just be more real about our faith in you. When we go through the dark valleys of life, the hardships of life, that instead of running from you, that we would tuck into you that we would draw close to you when things aren't going right, so we know then that you'll draw close back to us. Jesus, we don't wanna just make you a Tuesday thing. We don't just wanna hang with you when it's convenient socially or when we're at church. We really wanna get to know you. 
And God, we pray for those who've raised their hand tonight or and meant to in their hearts. God, we ask that you would give them a closeness, that you would help them to develop a hunger for spiritual things, that, that when they open the Bible or their Bible app, that they would understand you like never before, that they would begin to hear your voice, that they would begin to tuck into you, that you would show them a way out of the fear and the doubt that they're living in, that you would show them a way out of the hardship that they're standing under. They would sense your presence, they'd sense your peace in a real way. God, we ask that for each of us that our faith would go down deep, just like the students that spoke tonight, that it would go down deep into our hearts and it would produce fruit and results. God, we pray that you would bless us, that you would keep us safe, that you would draw us into your presence and we thank you that even when we were messing up, even when we were running away from you, that you never left us, you never forsook us, you never ran away from us back, but you just kept running towards us and we're so grateful for that. We thank you that that's the kind of God that you are and we love you. Thank you for always loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.